0: Today's reading is Luke two eighteen. excuse me, 8 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. King's Quest students, first through fourth graders, you are to head to the lobby and find your teachers and the rest of you, please be seated.
1: Well, good morning, Grace Long Beach. It's good to be with you guys here this morning. Um, We do have one additional announcement, something we want to spend a little bit of time unpacking. Uh, You may have seen a video went out last week from Beth. Uh, We mentioned it in our newsletter that came out yesterday, and it's on our website. But we are inviting all of you guys uh, to participate with us during the season of Lent in a time of prayer and a time of fasting. And so depending on your familiarity with church and what kind of background you have there, some, all of this may feel like, what are we talking about? What is Lent? Is this like drier Lent? Like, what are we talking about? Lent is a season in the church, um, it, more in the historic church or Orthodox church, sometimes in Catholic church, where uh, people who follow Jesus just take some time to cut something out in order to devote that time to prayer, to considering who God is, to listening to his voice, these types of things. It lasts from 40 days, starts on Ash Wednesday, which is this coming Wednesday, and goes up until Easter. And so what are we trying to do here with this season of Lent and inviting everyone to participate together? We're not trying to create legalism. We're not trying to control or, mani- we're not trying to control or manipulate anyone. What we're saying is as a church, We want to be united in prayer during this season leading up to Easter because we believe that God is a God who still does stuff. God is a God who still speaks and who still invites people to himself. So the invitation, uh, as leadership, as elders, as pastors, as staff, we are choosing Thursdays to fast. You don't have to choose Thursday. You can choose any day. It doesn't have to be food. We understand there's different medical conditions, but we're giving something up in order to dedicate time to pray to God for two things. One is that he would put somebody or a group of people on your heart, on your mind, to pray for and to invite to our Easter service. The second thing is that during that Easter service, as we're talking about the resurrection, that people who don't know Jesus would come to know Jesus. Okay, Is this about numbers? Is this like a secret tactic to get our numbers up? No. This is what it is. Jesus commands his disciples to go and make more disciples. If you're like me, you read that and you think, yeah, how the heck do I do that? So we're going to provide an opportunity for all of us together to pray and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're active. Your word says that. How the heck are we going to do this? Um, Laura made the suggestion, maybe how we talk about this is we fast from fear and awkwardness. Because I don't know about you, but when I think of like sharing my faith, I get nervous and I feel awkward. So maybe I can choose to give those up and ask Jesus to help me feel bold and courageous to share my faith with people who don't yet know him. The worst thing that will happen is people will say, no, thank you, Right? So for the next 40 days, starting on Ash Wednesday, as a church, we're inviting you guys all to pray with us, to consider who you might invite to Easter service, and then pray that God shows up in really big ways on Easter. Now, sometimes we think about like Easter, like, oh, is it all this like showy production, like whatever, like shouldn't every Sunday be like Easter? Yeah, it should. And the reality is in our culture, Easter is different. People who don't normally go to church will show up on Easter, so why not capitalize on this opportunity to share our faith with other people? So hopefully, even as I'm talking right now, like, the images in your mind of like, oh, yeah, that neighbor, oh, that parent on my kid's sports team, like, I I have been talking to them, like, maybe people are coming to mind. Maybe you're here and you're, like, squirming a little bit because you're like, shoot, I've been in church so long, I don't know anyone who doesn't know Jesus. What a great opportunity for you to step out of your comfort zone and meet someone new, right? So this is what we're doing for the next 40 days, starting on Ash Wednesday, all the way up to Easter. We're going to pray, we're going to fast, and we're going to ask God to bring people who don't yet know him to church on Easter, and we're going to ask him to show up in big ways, all right? Three people are excited about this. Great. We're starting off with a bang. Let's pray, (laughs) and then we're going to dive into our text, Jesus, you are good and you are in control and you are with us and we say those things but I just ask that you would make that real. Would you remind us that you are here with us in this space right now? Would you remind us that you made a way for us to show up this morning. You prevented barriers You called us here. Somebody invited us. Jesus, we've been coming for a long time and you still got us up this morning. Uh, And as we remember that, would you create an excitement in us to hear from you? Lord, it's astounding to think that the creator of all things still speaks to me, (laughs) to all of us in this room. So we ask that you would speak. Would you speak through your word? Would you speak through your spirit as you move throughout this space? Lord, would you remind us that you love us, that you are with us, that you are good, and that when things seem crazy, you are right there in the middle of all of it. We love you, Jesus. Help us to love you more. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, um, last week... I was at uh, my oldest son's basketball game. Will plays basketball for the IVA basketball team. Yeah! There it is, yeah, yeah. I knew somebody was gonna cheer for IVA. They, they meet right here on our campus. Um, it's an incredible school. We're super thankful for them being here. And Will is a sixth grader on their junior high team. So uh, if you've ever seen a junior higher, you know that there can be quite a range from like a sixth grader to an eighth grader Like in their first their first game, the kids were like super intimidated because they're like, "There's a kid on the other team with a goatee." And I'm like, "No, there's no, there's no junior hire with a goatee." No, there was actually like a junior hire with a goatee, right? So it was was intimidating. So last week, um, you know, as a sixth grader, like he gets to play, but like you know, not not as much as some of the eighth graders. So when when Will gets in the game as a dad, I'm like on pins and needles, right? Like wanting to see him do well, um, hoping he's, you know, strong and courageous and brave, and you know, doing all the things his coach has taught him to. And and so IVA has the ball; they're going down the court. This kid's dribbling it. Will's just kind of like out there, off to the side, and I'm like, dude, like get get it in. Come on, like get in there, right? And the kid gets stopped, right? The defenders are like pressuring the ball carrier and and he's looking and he's looking and everyone's covered and there's Will right outside the three-point line. And so his teammate passes the ball to him and I can see this moment where he has to make a decision, right, like I can watch the wheels turn where he's like, what do I do now? And I see that moment where he looks at the hoop and he's not like, toes on the three-point line. Like, he's a good ways behind the three-point line. If you don't know basketball, that means he's far away. Right? <laughs> and he's not the eighth grader with the goatee, he's like, you know, my sixth grader, who's, who's, he's getting older and bigger, but like, he's my little sixth grader, right? And so as he starts to raise the ball up for the shot, in my mind, I'm like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. And he shoots, and the ball releases, and I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, help us. Like, what's going to happen? And as the ball goes up, I'm having, like, all of this dad regret of, like, I shouldn't have showed him those Steph Curry highlight videos, like, I've influenced his decision-making, and the ball goes up, and and it hits the rim. And so I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. At least it hit the rim. And then it starts this, like, toilet bowl thing where it starts going around And and I think that the ball spun around the rim for like 42 years, I'm pretty sure. And at first, I'm holding my breath, but it keeps going. And you know, like when you hear like somebody has said something out loud, and then you realize like you're the one who said it, right? (laughs) Aaron has video of this. I'm like, come on, because the ball just keeps spinning. And in my mind, the whole time, I'm like, there's no way this is going to work. There's no way this is going to work. There's no way my little tiny 6th grader, you're big, don't worry. My small 6th grader can make this shot from like past the 3-point line and it spins and it spins and it spins and I'm screaming and it went in. <laughs> so then my my incredibly humble and gracious son is like, "Yeah, that's right. 3. 3. Yeah. What what? I'm um, right. He gets that from his mom, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> it went in. The whole time I'm thinking, "There's no, it can't work. It can't work. There's no way this is going to work, and it went in. Have you had those moments? Have you had those moments where you look at something and you're like, there's no possible way this thing is going to work? Like, I remember um, the first time I flew, I was a little bit older in life. I was like junior high, and I remember walking up to the airplane and seeing this giant, metal contraption, I'm like, this is gonna fly in the air? This looks way too heavy, like how does this work? This can't work, we have those things. You look at some of the movies that are coming out, really, like 10 Fast and Furious movies? There's no way this can work, but it keeps working. (laughs) Sharknado, like give me a break. And I wonder sometimes if we lose sight of that with like these super familiar passages of scripture. Right, we're going to look at the birth of Jesus. This is what every preacher ever preaches, every single Christmas, year after year after year after year, as long as the church has been a thing. And I wonder if we're so familiar that we forget, like, this story makes no sense. This story should not work. Read with me, if you will. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 2. We made it. Woo, chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, if if you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath your seat. Reach back further than you would expect, and we're going to be on page 856. Page 856 in that Bible under your seat. Uh, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. She wrapped them in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So in order to give us some space from the familiarity of this story, I started thinking through it like personally, right? Like if you've been around for a while, you guys know that um, Aaron was pregnant and we just had a baby in November. So I started to imagine like, okay, if this is the middle of November of last year, right before Thanksgiving, and Aaron was nine months pregnant with this unexpected baby And I imagine like, okay, so it sets up Caesar Augustus in in the Roman Empire. So if President Biden makes a declaration that Aaron and I, while she's nine months pregnant, have to walk about 70 miles, so that means we have to walk to Carlsbad from Long Beach in order to register so that we could pay more taxes, like, first of all, I'm like, is there, is there an exception here? Like, can I get, I'm, I got a dependent on the way. Like, is there a way I can get out of it? No, 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 no. There's no way we can get out of it. We can't drive. We can't fly. We have to walk from Long Beach to Carlsbad. I don't know. Maybe we register at Legoland or something, right? And so as we're walking, we're, we're retelling this story to ourselves of somehow we're like not married, we're just engaged. And Aaron comes to me and says like, hey, uh, I need to be careful because there's kids here. Like, the marriage is not yet consummated. We haven't visited the birds and the bees, but there's a pregnancy. Now I know my response would probably not be gracious, and I probably wouldn't be walking 70 miles with her. But there's a different story here. And so as we get to Carlsbad, I would imagine that maybe we had a friend of a friend who would let us stay with them, right? All the Airbnbs are full, all the hotels are full, the resorts are full, all of Carlsbad is full. So we stay with a friend of a friend, but here's the catch. They don't actually have a room, but they do have a garage. And we know the garage is is like at least hospitable for life because that's where they keep their pets, their dogs and cats, live in the garage, And so we make it to this garage, and it's time for the baby to come. I would imagine after this walk, it's probably time for the baby to come. And don't worry, we may not have a crib, but the good news is the dogs have a bowl where they put their food. And so the newborn baby gets to stay in the bowl. And even as I'm telling this story, I'm like, this is so strange like this is such a different world this is not how we operate but this is how the creator of everything chose to send his son so then you know we're we're at the we're at the friend of a friend's garage little, the baby's you know wrapped up in in cloths and he's in the in the dog food bowl and, and meanwhile I, I imagine god's like hey i'm gonna let people know that this happened so for us, when we had the baby, you know, we're texting our parents, we're texting our family members, after a while, some close friends, after an amount of time then it went on social media, right? And God says, no, 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 not with this one. I have these guys in mind. I want to let them know first this exciting news that the baby was born. I wonder who you would tell first. I wonder if God would choose in our context, like, hey, I know this guy who... Um, He's a sanitation worker, Uh, he's got a friend who cleans up graffiti off the side of buildings, and then another one who maybe like cleans out septic tanks. Like these three guys, that you've never met before, we're gonna tell them this news first, and they're gonna show up. Like, What is that interaction like, right? Like fresh off the job, like, we're here to see the baby. Like, really? Do you know about COVID and coronavirus? Like, can you wash your hands? Like... But those are the ones, when God sent his son, he chose to share the news with first. There was no text to Mary's parents, to Joseph's family members. There's no, like, I don't know, they didn't have social media, right? Like, whatever the old school equivalent of social media would be. God chose these, these shepherds who were out in the fields, chose them to share this news with first. And then there's joy. There's this sense of wonder and awe. Mary is treasuring, sorry, Aaron is treasuring all of these things in her heart. The workers are going back rejoicing and praising God because of what this, like how did they even find the place, right? Like were they knocking on every door like, hey, is there a baby wrapped in cloths here? Like, this story is strange, and when you step back and look at it and and consider what's going to happen with this baby, like, this baby is going to become more powerful than the emperor that issued the decree, this can't work. These shepherds are going to be the first ones who share the good news? Like, this can't work. There's no way that God can show up in the midst of this, but here's the good news. The story didn't happen to my family. This story happened to God's family. So all of our thoughts of like, this can't work, get flipped on their head and we realize the truth, that this can't actually fail. Because the emperor is not the one who's in control. The parents are not the one, the ones who are in control. The shepherds, the angels, any of these characters in this story are not the ones Who are actually in control? God is the one who's in control. And He has a way of doing things that don't always make sense to us. See, about 600 years before this story took place, God spoke to His people. He said that a baby would be born to one who had not yet consummated their marriage. I've learned to be careful with the language here because there are kids. He said where the baby would be born. So when the emperor issued this decree for a census that requires Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem, he's not actually the one in control. God ordained that about 600 years before these events took place. God is the one who's in control. And I wonder how often we forget that. I wonder how often we forget that God is always the one who's been in control. He's always kept his word. He's the one who in the garden said, if you eat from this tree, it will be all bad for you. And it was. He's the one who said that one day uh, someone who would come who would uh, crush the head of the serpent. And here we see this baby being born. He's the one who said he would be with Abraham and with Sarah and they would have a baby and the baby was born in their old age. He's the one who told his people, when you bless other people, I will bless you. You are to be a blessing for all nations. And when we see his people act in obedience, they are blessed. He's the one who told Moses, you will lead my people out of Egypt. God is in the business of uh, making a way where it seems like there's no way. The Roman Empire is not the first global power that God turned on its head. God is the one who is actually in control. God is the one who helped them to cross the Red Sea, who provided manna and quail, who was the pillar of fire by night in the, in the cloud, by day, God is the one who has always led his people. As he says, I am with you. I will be your God and you will be my people. And I can't help but think that in the hundreds of years of distraction that they forget that. I know I do. And sometimes I do need to step back from my own story and take a big look at what's going around. And so God shows up like he always has. God shows up in this story. This can't fail. Even though it makes no sense that it would be the shepherds, God shows up to the shepherds and gives them good news. Jesus will later clarify this throughout the Gospels. When he continually moves towards those on the margins, you see, the shepherds were despised. They were were considered unclean. Culturally, they were even considered like untrustworthy and things that may not make sense to us, right? Like we read Psalm 23, like, the Lord is my shepherd, right? And we forget that part of being a shepherd is like dealing with dead sheep, which would make them unclean according to the law. And isn't it interesting? that God would choose shepherds to reveal the good news of his son. These shepherds who willingly enter into a, a profession that makes them unclean so that they can provide an atoning sacrifice for those who have sinned. Jesus who willingly took on our uncleanliness, our sin, and became a sacrifice so that we could be made clean. There's something about the shepherds. It's almost like God knew what he was doing. And in the midst of the story that seems so crazy, so upside down, we're introduced to this baby. This baby who will overthrow an empire. Now, not during his life, right? But we see the character that's developed in the early church that's contrary to Roman rule. Because at first glance, this this story, it it may seem like this can't work. And as we move through it and and consider that God is the one in control, we realize that this story it actually can't fail. But here's the other thing about the story: it changes everything. This story of Jesus changes everything. We see in the Roman Empire an empire that is built on power and violence. And Jesus comes, and he declares a message of sacrificial love. If your enemy strikes you on the cheek, turn to them the other one off also. If they ask you for your tunic, offer them your cloak as well. If they tell you to go one mile, you go with them two miles. The sacrificial love. We see in this story that it has changed everything. We would assume that the emperor would be the one in power. The emperor would be the one in control. The emperor should be the one that the good news was declared to first, but it's lowly shepherds in the field. We see that those who are the least of these are considered the greatest in this story. We see that even in the ordinary, something as as simple as the birth of a child, good news can be born. The story changes everything. It it flips power dynamics on their head. How we think about things, how we view life is radically changed through the lens of the birth of Jesus. story changes how we view communion. Because the story that is commonly told in our culture is that you have to be worthy. You have to be enough. You have to do enough, provide enough, be productive, life hack your way into a curated feed on social media of perfection so when I think of the God of the universe putting on flesh and becoming man and inviting people to eat at his table everything in the culture around me tells me I'm not worthy of that table everything around me tells me I should learn more I should do more I should perform more I should have more grace and patience with my kids to come to this table. I should be a more loving and caring and um, productive husband to my wife around the house to come to this table. I should have achieved a certain level of success in my chosen profession to be able to come to this table. It makes no sense, it should not work for me to come to this table. But this is not a table of productivity. This is not a table that we can earn our way into. Stop trying. This is not a table of your decades of obedience have earned you a seat at. Think about what the shepherds were doing. Watching sheep. There's no indication they're like watching sheep and memorizing the psalms or like praising God or like singing worship songs to each other or any of these. They're watching their sheep. And God shows up and invites them in. And they have a choice. They're afraid. The angel says, don't be afraid. This is what's happening. We have a choice like the shepherds. God shows up day after day after day. We have breath in our lungs. God shows up. Friends who love Jesus, love to you, God shows up. Somewhere in your house, you can find a Bible. If not, you can Google it. God shows up. And we get to choose What do we choose? The ways that make sense? The ways of fear? The ways of insufficiency and inadequacy? I'm not enough to come to the table? Or the ways of Jesus? Who doesn't come in might and power to stand against the Roman Empire, right? Like, here's a little background context to this story. Um, Augustus, the Caesar, the emperor at the time, had come into power and and began this season in the Roman Empire called Pax Romana, or like Roman peace. One of the last things he had to do to obtain this peace was suppress Jewish uprisings. So Mary and Joseph would have been familiar with this story of about 30 years before when the Jewish people said, enough is enough, we're not paying any new taxes. We're gonna fight against the Romans. And the Roman Empire, the Roman soldiers came in and crushed them, decimated entire cities. So now, when the emperor says, you better go here to register for this census so that you can pay taxes, they go. Behind the scenes, the angels show up. And we've talked about this. Don't think like precious moments on your grandma's like little, you know, mantle. Think like angelic warriors. Legions of them start these war chants in this passage. Right, that's what's going on here when it says glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So God has angelic warriors at his disposal to stand up to the Roman Empire, but what does he show up as? A baby, vulnerable, needing his mother for life. A baby who would die an undeserved death who would lay his life down for people who don't know him, for people who would reject him. This is what we're invited into in this table because it seems like it doesn't work, but it's really the only thing that is good news because we know we can't do it on our own. We felt the weariness of trying to figure this out on our, on our own. And so as we think about this story from maybe a different perspective, I would invite you to think about this baby. The good news about babies is they don't do anything. Later in his life, Jesus would remind his followers that we are to be like children to follow him. And so as our worship service moves forward, we're gonna gonna come to the table where we remember that he gave his body for us, that he shed his blood for us. And I would invite you to just take a moment to consider what are the things that are distracting you from this good news? What are the lies that you may be tempted to believe? Lies that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy enough, that you don't perform enough, you can't keep up with the Roman Empire, you don't have all your stuff together. What are those lies? And remember the invitation, the free invitation that will show up to shepherds, the free invitation to be yourself and receive the grace of God that will change you, the free invitation that his love is for all of us. I'm gonna pray for us, and then we'll invite the band back up to the stage and we'll invite the servers to come down. They'll dismiss us by rows to come up and receive the elements, the the bread and the cup, the um, little cups that are clear are full of wine the little cups that are purple uh, are juice so you can choose what's appropriate for you but let's, let's pray together before we move on in our service Jesus you're good and you're in control and you love us And what else do we need to know? Father, help those truths to move from just our brains and into our hearts. Help us to not only know the words that you love us, help us to feel what that means in our hearts, in those areas in which we feel unlovable. Jesus, help us to Share that love through our hands and feet with those you call us to. You are the one who does these things. You are the one who moves within us. And so we ask that you would move. Would you continue to speak to us as we come to your table, as we share communion together, Lord? Would you continue to speak to us as we sing together, as we sing with one another, as we pray for one another? Would you continue to speak to us throughout this week as we go out to share your goodness and your love and your peace with others. We pray this in your name, amen.